here. Today I'm going to have a little illustration here in a little while that I hope will help us. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time we have to learn of the Holy Spirit. Help us in our journey, Lord, as we talk about the anointing. We're thankful for the ministry of your Spirit. You did not leave us when your Son left the earth, but you sent your Spirit. And we thank you for that. And everyone said, Amen. Are you ready for the Word of the Lord? All right, what a great Sprummer retreat. By the way, if you want to get those scholarships for your gate campers, 4th, 5th, and 6th graders, they are available in the gate, CK4, and uh, they have to be turned back in by no later than Wednesday after family night. 8 o'clock is the deadline, bar none. All right, we're, we're living by grace, but that is law. All right, 8 o'clock is the, is the deadline, all right? Because we have to make some decisions on who gets the scholarships and how much do we have and how... How can we help as many as we can? So we have to put a deadline on it. Ephesians 5.18, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. We never need to be concerned about the way God the Father, God the Son, and the God the Holy Spirit conducts himself. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We really don't have to be concerned with the way God conducts himself in public, do we? Now, there may be concern once in a while for how some of God's people conduct themselves in public, right? And so I'm saying that because we must realize that it's possible that God may conduct himself in ways that are not necessarily comfortable for us because God is not so much interested in our comfort as he is our character, as he is in who we are as his people. And the Bible even says that God would scourge and chastise those he loves. Now that's not a God of love as America now tries to define God being because sometimes we try to define God as being the God we want more than the God who is and the God we need him to be. We try to define him as being the kind of God that we want to shape him to be. You see, for instance, we, we are very uh, schmoozy, lovey-dovey with this concept of God as love, but inside God's love, there, there, is, discour- there is chastisement. He'll, he'll get on you sometimes because, you know, we hear about child abuse, and child abuse today is very real and terrible, and we hate when we hear about children being abused. L- let me tell you a form of child abuse that we don't hear a lot about. Parents who won't discipline their children. That's child abuse. Thank God for parents who love their kids enough to discipline them appropriately according to the word of the Lord. Amen. And it's child abuse to not do that. So God loves us so much. I had a young man when I was doing a parenting class one time and teaching, um, and a young man that came up to me who just had his first child and first baby, and he said, you know, I'm thankful for this teaching because I love my dad, but my dad didn't love me enough to discipline me and make me toe the line and put an expectation out there and, and to realize that if I didn't live up to that expectation, there, there, is, there is reward for doing it and there is problems for not. All right? So God is a God of love, but let's not make that definition something we want. Let's, let's understand what his love is about. I remember preaching in a church uh, one time many years ago. For you that have known me for a period of time, you know that this is the only church I've ever pastored. Kathy and I pioneered in 90, 1995. Before that, I traveled as a gospel singer and preacher, and in our database we, over those years of traveling, in fact, uh, 15 years, we preached or sang in over 500 churches in America. That's a lot of churches. 
And I was in one church uh, one time, I believe it was in New England, it was packed out, my sisters and I were singing, and my wife, we were all up on the platform, and, and the Lord was moving in such a wonderful way. Uh, in fact, uh, his presence was so real, it was, it was literally almost tangible. Have you ever been in the presence of the Lord, and, and I know many of you have, where it's just literally not only contagious, but, it, but it's, it's almost... Um, it's all, I mean, it was so thick you could cut it with a knife, the, the presence of God. I, I love the presence of the Lord in my life and in our church when we gather together. And the presence of the Lord was so real. And the Lord began to move in such a way, uh, and the Holy Spirit was moving to, to salvation for people to receive Jesus in their heart. The Holy Spirit was tugging at people's hearts. We became sensitive to it. The girls and I all kind of stopped our plans, what we were doing. And begin to yield ourselves to what God was doing as we did our best to discern that. Moved into an altar call right in the middle of the service. And 40 people stood across that auditorium. uh, Right at 40 people stood right at their seat to receive the gift of God. And because the Holy Spirit was tugging at their heart. It was an awesome thing. Now, what, what happened... Uh, just as I was about to move in and, and minister to them and pray and, and uh, to help them understand what God was doing right there in their life, uh, somebody who was very gifted in spiritual gifts and had le- legitimately, I believe, loved the Lord, most likely. I didn't know. I was, I was traveling. But, but, you know, you just know they loved the Lord and, and they were endeavoring to do something right and uh, they, they stood and began to blurt out a message in tongues. And by the way, I'm not against that. I have seen that when it was so awesome and such a move of God that people that didn't even know about the Holy Spirit, didn't know about spiritual gifts, that it was so God and the interpretation was so real and so authentic and so just so wonderful that, that, that there was just peace in the place. It was so awesome. This moment, though I I am not in any way, shape, or form denying that this person had a spiritual gift, their timing was off. How how many know you can have a gift and your timing be off? You know, you can have a, because God's a God of divine order. We have to discern the time. My belief system in understanding the Holy Spirit and the moving of the Holy Spirit, God's a God of divine order. And when things are of God, they will wait. Sometimes when they're not of God, they don't wait because, you know, if it's just flesh and it's not really God and we kind of get all angst up and get all excited and, and, and if we're not discerning of this thing, then what happens is, you know, we, we, if we're not careful, we can just kind of blow in, blow up, and blow out, you know, and, and people are left wondering, well, what was that all about, you know? But when it's God, it'll wait. You know, I've had people that, that have felt prophecy, you know, and they've written it down. There's scriptures where you can find prophets have written it down, and, and people have poured over it. They've given it to a pastor and elder. We've prayed over it and then given it to the body, and it was wonderful, and there was timing of the Lord on it. It just didn't yank people, but God ministered, and, and divine order and timing is so important. Now, I also believe that there are times, Wednesday night, we just had heaven come down in our worship time. People were in the altars. We had words of encouragement, a, a prophetic atmosphere here. And I really believe with all my heart, God spoke to us in such a powerful way Wednesday night. It, it was just wonderful, awesome. And I heard that even back here in the um, Blueprints for Belief class, that the Spirit of God just hovered in that room as, as the Spirit of the Lord was moving. The class is just packed out. After worship, we dismissed the class, and I was teaching in Romans, 
And, and I love that kind of stuff. But what happened here was this person began to give a message in tongues, and it got really long. I mean, long, real long. And, and, and you just felt like, oh, no. You see, when the, when the Holy Spirit moves, the Holy Spirit is not an interrupter. He doesn't interrupt. When the Holy Spirit's moving through us and the gifts are in operation, it's flowing. It's, it's going, you know. One of the things that happens is when God's moving in a service and, and there's a gift that comes into play, it will flow with what God's doing. It, it won't just take us from here and yank us across the river. You know, it, it'll flow with what God's doing. And uh, this wasn't flowing. Now, I'm not here using this example to say this should never happen. That is not the point. I'm saying that it, the timing was bad. And it went on and on, and then it stopped, and there was silence because people were waiting for an interpretation because the Bible's very clear that if there's a message in an unknown tongue and nobody understands it in a public setting like that, now there is the prayer language where we pray in our prayer closet and our, and our physical selves don't, our mind doesn't understand it, but our spirit is praying to God, we understand that's awesome, but in a setting like that, there has to be an interpretation so so that there's understanding. So there was a wait time, and by the way, the Bible says, and I believe it's in um, 1 Corinthians 14, I think, if I'm right. Yes, 1 Corinthians 14, 13, that, that if there's no interpretation, the one who gave the message in tongues becomes responsible to give the interpretation, or they shouldn't have given it in the first place. So here we have this long message in tongues, and then there's this silence while we're waiting for an interpretation, and there's no interpretation. Now, while all this is happening, 40 people are standing to receive Jesus in their heart, and one by one, they start sitting down. And before this thing kind of plays out, everybody is sitting down. I'm a young guy in ministry, not very seasoned, scared half to death, to be honest with you, don't know exactly what to do. It's not my church. I don't feel like it's my place to to um, bring, um, what would you call it, um, constructive, well, not even criticism, but, you know, to, to really be an elder in that church and to bring reproof and correction. And so I am just stuck. I did my best to close that service down with love and care and um, say amen, good night, and I ran out back and dug a hole and jumped in, you know. No, I didn't really, but it was rough, man. It was, it was a tough moment for me. I couldn't wait to leave town. I was glad I was passing through, you know. It was hard. How many are feeling for me right there, you know? Yeah. And so uh, I was confused about so many things. Now, I'm just... As we talk about the Holy Spirit, one of the things that I've committed myself to do is just be very real, be very out there as we walk through this together. I realize there is people from all walks of faith here at Calvary, a non-interdenominational church, and we have Catholics like me, and I married a Methodist girl. My dad was saved in an old-time Pentecostal church, and some of you were Baptists, and some of you were uh, Presbyterian, and some of you were this, that, and the other. Some of you were just heathens. You never had anything going on, you know? And uh, it's all good, you know? But here we are, amen? God's love is on us, and his favor is on us, and we're learning the word together, amen? Isn't it great? 
And so, I was so confused about so many things. I had, I had witnessed incredible messages in tongues with interpretation of people that I knew, and I knew they weren't even using their language when they were interpreting. It wasn't even, you know, it was them, but it wasn't, and it was just like incredible where you just, wow, you know. You ever had a wow moment where it's just like, wow, that, you know, God felt so close, and I love those times, and I remember thinking at one point as I was younger that to receive the Holy Spirit, you, know, you, you must have to be extra holy. I mean, wouldn't it make sense that if God is going to gift you with his Spirit, that surely you've got to be extra holy, right? And I, I looked around and I saw people who did not confess to have baptism in the Holy Spirit sometimes, and sometimes they were more consecrated in their daily walk with God than those who had all of these huge claims of God's spirit and power and anointing in their life. And I'm like, what is up with that? You know, and I grew up in a pastor's home after my dad was saved, and he started a couple of churches, and I grew up in a pastor's home. And, you know, I'm a young guy growing up, and I'm witnessing that there's a few people causing problems in the church. Imagine that. A few people causing problems in the and they were spiritually gifted. I mean, these people literally were spiritually gifted. They had some wonderful gifts in their life, and yet they're causing problems. I'm like, what is up? How could that be? To add to my struggle and what God was teaching me was that I knew one of the purposes of the Holy Spirit when I read my Bible was to give us power to be a witness for the Lord, to share our faith, to to love people to life. And some who claimed the Holy Spirit's power were not making any disciples. And I'm thinking, what is wrong with this? God's Word does have the answers. Some churches that I was asked to speak in believed in soul winning, but did not believe or encourage in any way, shape, or form the moving of the Holy Spirit. And these people love God. I do not doubt their salvation, but I've even heard people literally deny any spiritual workings of the Holy Spirit in today's world and today. You know, that was only to get the church birthed, and then that time period was over. And, and there's some wonderful friends that I have in my life, and I know now that to be saved, the Holy Spirit has to draw you to Jesus, or you're not going to be saved. You, you cannot just wake up one day and, and think, well, I finally got that straightened out in my life, and, and I quit, you know, doing that, and I quit, I, I quit running around, and I, I'm not going to visit the bars now, and I'm, you know, I, I, uh, I'm not involved in adultery. I'm kind of getting my life straightened up. So I think, you know what, uh, that's a good thing. I, I just had my first baby or my child, and I need to straighten up, so I'm going to go to church and give my heart to God today. It don't work that way. It don't work that way. If the Holy Spirit's not drawing you, you're not going to give your heart to the Lord. It's not going to work. You say, well, pastor, that don't sound like an Arminius to me. Well, okay, then I'm Calverminian. <laughs> I'm somewhere in the middle. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you, if the, you're, you're not going to receive the gift God has for you if his Spirit's not working in your life. All right? I mean, you cannot prove it any other way. I mean, both camps believe that. Both camps believe if God's not moving in your life and drawing you to Jesus, you're not going to be saved. 
So, so you know, I'm wrestling with this as a young man, and, and I'm thinking about the Spirit of God, and I'm realizing, you know, i got to be careful not to deny the Spirit of God because when I understand the Trinity, you know, and the word Trinity is not in the Bible, but the word oneness isn't either. But we believe that God is one God. He's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. So if I'm denying the Holy Spirit and I'm denying the power and the move and the presence of God, I'm denying God. The Holy Spirit's not an it. He's God. God the Holy Spirit. Am I making sense? All right. Just want to make sure I'm not rambling on here. So some churches I would go and they were just... It was, it wasn't dead, but it was real close. It was close. It had a coldness to it. And uh, when God called me and Kathy to come to the Quad Cities to Pioneer Calvary, man, I remember, God, I want to get this figured out. I want to understand this. I want to get this right, God. I had many discussions with Kathy, and I many long long conversations with my dad saying god what is your plan here this is why i'm teaching a series discover the holy spirit you gotta understand if you're a guest here today this type of a series by and large is not taught on sunday morning in churches in in america and i'm just decided in the last few years you know i'm at that age where i'm like i'm going for it Lord, I'm going to go for it and trust you in these things and not avoid things that are we need to hear about, we need to understand. And I hope if you don't agree with me, first of all, you won't be the first one. All right? I don't expect you to always agree with me. I expect you to love me. I expect you to pray for me. I don't necessarily expect you to believe me just because I said it. But dig into the Word. I hope it invokes you to study. To show yourself approved, a workman rightly dividing the word of truth, as the Bible says. We desired, you know, when Kathy and I came and, st- and we pioneered Calvary and obeyed the call of God, we desired to be a spirit-filled, endued with supernatural power, soul-winning, disciple-making, devil-chasing, healing-centered, anointed church that would be equipping people for ministry. That's who we want to be. You know what? That's who we are. So, if you're writing notes, by the way, everything that's on the screen is on the Calvary QC app. A work of the Holy Spirit is regeneration, number one, regeneration. In other words, the work of the Holy Spirit is the work of causing people to be saved. And the Bible says, and I just talked to you about this, that in John 6, no one can come to Jesus unless God the Father who sent Jesus to the earth draws that person to Jesus. Amen. Another work of the Holy Spirit is the baptism in the Holy Spirit. Or, as us Pentecostals growing up, when my dad got saved in an old-time Pentecostal church, here's how we used to say it, the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Now, see, don't that just have some fire to it, right? Now, that doesn't make it more anointed, but it sounds good, you know, to us southern old-time Pentecostals. And, and I don't use Holy Ghost too much. I use Holy Spirit. Um, in, in my understanding, they're pretty synonymous terms, and 
Ghost, in our language today, in our, when we think of ghosts, certainly means something a lot different than it did in the King James Version of 400 years ago when it was written. To tell you the truth, I'm a little biased. I still like hearing baptism of the Holy Ghost once in a while, but, you know, that's, that's me, all right? So that's me. Now, when we speak of the baptism in the Holy Spirit, we're speaking of Acts 2, verses 1 through 4. And here's what it says. When the day of Pentecost had come, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. That's it. That's verse 4. I just blanked out there for a second. Now, the Holy Spirit makes available to us gifts of the Spirit, and this is found, and I want to just take a moment and read these to you, the gifts of the Spirit that are found in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 11. Let me give those to you. The Holy Spirit displays God's power through each of us as a means of helping the entire church. All right, so the Holy Spirit is displaying God's power through each of us who are the church as a means of helping the entire church. You got it? To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. And we're not talking about a wise guy here. Someone else may be especially good at studying and teaching. And this is his gift from the same Spirit. He gives special faith to another and to someone else the power to heal the sick. You mean God could give somebody power to heal the sick? Yes, I'm saying that same Spirit can anoint somebody to be able to minister to the sick and they be healed. But it's, is it that person or is it the Spirit? It's the gift of the Spirit. Number t- uh, verse 10, he gives power for doing miracles to some and to others power to prophesy and preach. He gives someone else the power to know whether evil spirits are speaking through those who claim to be giving God's messages or whether it is really the Spirit of God who is speaking. Still another person is able to speak in languages he never learned and others who do not know the language either are given power to understand what he is saying. It is the same and only Holy Spirit who gives all these gifts and powers deciding which each one of us should have. Show me a congregation that have these gifts in operation, and I'll show you a church that believes in the Holy Spirit's work. Now, thirdly, another work of the Holy Spirit is the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Here's where some of you have a question maybe in your mind. Your question maybe could be, and maybe maybe it's not a question for you, but the question could be, is the filling of the Holy Spirit the same as the anointing of the Holy Spirit? And my answer would be no. Is the anointing and the filling the same? No. Now, I'm going to take just a few moments to lay a foundation for that that is going to get us to, I believe, a wonderful practical point for everyone here, no matter where you are in your walk with the Lord, that's really going to help you in your, in your life with Jesus. There's a matter of the anointing and there's a matter of being filled. The Bible says in Leviticus 8 and verse 10, And Moses took the anointing oil and he anointed the tabernacle and all that was therein and sanctified them. Now we're going to key in on just two words, anointed and sanctified. These words are not used interchangeably. 
but they're words that are used together again and again when speaking of the anointing. They're not synonyms, but they travel together. What does sanctify mean? If I ask you, what, is, what does the word sanctify mean? I mean, there's a religious word that we see in the Bible, and we hear that word from preachers. But what does the word sanctify mean? And I'm going to give you a very simple definition of understanding what sanctified means. It means set apart for a specific service, for a specific purpose. That, that this, whatever this is, is set apart by God for a specific purpose. All right, let me give you an example. Look at this pulpit up here. This pulpit. Now, this is maybe a crude example, but I think it'll help get the point across. This pulpit is sanctified. Give me a little latitude here. What what am I talking about? It is, well, here's what I mean. It is set apart for a specific purpose. And the purpose of this pulpit is for the preaching and the teaching of God's Word. So maybe we could say, and this is crude, I understand, but maybe we could say this pulpit is sanctified for that purpose. Now, Here's something to know about this pulpit. It's not perfect. In fact, it's getting old. I probably ought to get a new one. I bang on it. It's got scratches on it. In fact, to be real, it's just a few pieces of plexiglass held together with glue. It's not really special. Oh, some of you are tracking with me already. You know where I'm going. You understand. It's not special in and of itself. But that doesn't mean God didn't set it apart for its purpose. The word sanctification does not mean sinless perfection. The Bible says that our our righteousness is as filthy rags. Isaiah 64, 6. That's why we need His righteousness working in us. See, I'm here to tell you that though we should be striving for perfection because we're putting on more of Christ every day, God doesn't anoint you because you're perfect. God set you apart because he created you for a purpose for his glory that your life would shine for him. It doesn't mean that you've got it all together, but that doesn't mean that... And and furthermore, God anoints people for his purpose, and sometimes they don't walk in their, their anointing. Sometimes they walk in it, sometimes they don't. But God doesn't take it back. I know people that have been anointed to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ, and they've chosen not to do it. Why? Well, maybe they couldn't give up that big corporate job, or maybe they couldn't do this, or maybe they they just couldn't get free from being a drunk and an alcoholic, and so they're laying on the side of the road. Or maybe it's just because they got mad at somebody in the church and decided, I'm not doing what God anointed me to do because I'm tired of people, I'm tired of frustrated with people. People get on my nerves, and I've just had all I can take. Oh, you like it when we talk about preachers that way. How about people sitting in the pew that God's called them to service, has a ministry to children, has a ministry to greet and love and care for people, has a ministry to the sick, but they let something get underneath their skin. Somebody said something that they didn't like and something was not good. And we drop the anointing. But God doesn't take it back. God, I can never find in Scripture where God takes back the anointing. And I believe with all my heart that everyone here today, that when God made you, he has a plan. 
And if you're not anointed for a specific task, his plan is to anoint you. How do I know what my anointing is? Well, I believe, not not necessarily 100%, but your passion is a clue to your anointing. Things that you begin to see things that others can't see is a clue to maybe your anointing. When God anointed me, to become a pastor. I, I was not anointed at one time to be a pastor. I wasn't pursuing it. In fact, I was going the other way. I love my dad as a pastor, and I decided that was wonderful for my dad, and I'm glad that I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm going to love pastors. I'm going to go to their churches and preach their people happy, and I'm going to just bring people together and love them, and then I'm going to love them and leave them. <laughs> I'm not hanging around for the mess. And God says, we'll see about that. (laughs) Be careful about what you tell God you're not going to do. I believe he might have a sense of humor. (laughs) And you know what? God began to change me. I can remember when I sensed an anointing by God and people began to minister to me and prophesy over my life. And I sensed an anointing, a setting apart for a specific service that God had for my life. And all of a sudden, I don't want to sound spooky here, but I'm going to tell you, God began to give me supernatural insight that I never had before. I began to have understanding about pastoring and loving. I began to learn about things in ways that I would learn, and I would read books, and I would do this and that. But in some ways, I didn't get it. But when God anointed me, There was natural stuff happening, but there was all of a sudden supernatural. That's only how I know how to explain it. There was some supernatural stuff going on in my life. All of a sudden, my eyes began to be open to things that my eyes were not open to before. And I I want to tell you that I believe that that is to happen for every one of us. We're not all called to be preachers. That'd be weird. We'd all be up here preaching, there'd be nobody to preach to. But how many know God has a plan for all of us and to set us apart? Now, I was going to go into a big dissertation, and I'm going to back off because I'm running clear out of time, and it's Father's Day, but um, I would invite you to look in Leviticus. If you want to just write this down, and, and if you pull up the app, it's in Leviticus 8, verses 10, 11, and 12. And, and then in 1 Samuel 16, verses 13. Am I going too fast? All right, I'll give you that one again, 1 Samuel 16, 13. And then another one I'll give you is 1 Kings 19 and verse 16. And then Luke chapter 4, verse 18. Now, I'm going to summate that all. That was 10 minutes of preaching there that I hate to give up, but I'm going to give it up and wrap it in 30 seconds and say this. In that study in foundational teaching, I proved that God only anoints his people for one, one time, for a specific task. That's the way it was with Aaron the priest. That's the way it was with kings, with King David. David was anointed three times, but it was for three different purposes. And that was the way it was for Elisha, the prophet. 
God anoint. So, so when people are praying for me back here and on Wednesdays and you're praying for me, God anoint our pastor. God anoint him. Let the power flow through his life. Use him today. God anoint. Give him a fresh anoint. That's fine with me. I, I have no problem with that. But I want you to know, and I hope this don't sound proudful, I'm, I'm very humble with it, I hope. I've been anointed by the Lord. Yeah. There's a difference between anointing and be being filled with his spirit. What I need is a refilling constantly. I need to keep going back to the fountainhead of God and being filled back up. But I've already been anointed. I'm anointed for the service God's called me to. I don't have to be re-anointed, double anointed, triple anointed. I'm anointed by God. What I need is, is to go back to God and be filled. Would you rather me preach from being filled with his spirit because I've spent time with him? Or would you rather me preach out of my own flesh that is dry bones because I haven't been with God? See, I believe you probably know because there have been times when I come here so full, I, can, I just open my mouth and blah. I can't wait, can't get it out of my mouth fast. And there's other times when I've been so busy and maybe pastoring and dealing with fires and, and putting out stuff and dealing with things and been busy about the Lord's work, but I haven't, hadn't had the time I've needed to be filled be in prayer, being bombarding the throne room of God and being filled and having a word in my spirit. See, somebody said one time, said, Pastor, we can tell when you've been with God. And somebody else said, and we can tell when you hadn't. <laughs> Whew. So, anointing. And then, Ephesians 5.18, back to that again, be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. It's a continual seeking for God's power in our lives. Be being filled is what that means. Be praying, seeking, bombarding the throne of grace. The anointing is a one-time thing. Acts 4.27, if you can catch up with me, guys. Acts 4.27, for of a truth against the holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed. And go right to the next one. In Acts 10.38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with them. So the question comes here. What is the anointing of the Holy Spirit? The anointing was done upon accepting a new responsibility. Secondly, I know I'm going awful fast. The anointing was an equipping for a task. God equips us. And thirdly, the anointing was God giving his own mind to a task. Oh good, they're all three up there together. Just leave them up there for a second, guys, while people, I see people writing. The anointing of the Holy Spirit is when God chooses flesh, meaning our, our personal lives, for a task that he can identify with, and God gives that person the ability to comprehend that task from a spiritual standpoint. Jesus says seven times in the book of Revelation, he that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. God anoints people for a task to where they're not only looking through human eyes, but the anointing allows the person to look through God's eyes. At that point, there's a comprehension for the things of God. 
Let me, let me give you 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit. A very important scripture. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. When God anoints us for a purpose or a task, it makes all the difference. When God sets you apart for something, he equips you with that spirit ability. Could, could I humbly tell you and remind you, God has anointed me to be people's pastor. I've been anointed to be a pastor. Would you rather have, I'm not asking for any hand clap or nothing. Don't do it, in fact, just don't. Would you rather have a pastor who has been anointed by God? This is not my job. This is not a paycheck for me. This is my calling. This is, this is the anointing. God set me apart for this. I thank you for a paycheck. I thank you that you provide for me, and I get to care for my wife and my children and provide a future. You are generous and loving to me. But, but I don't stand up here and preach things to, to, to say, well, if I, if I preach, you know, Man, Mr. Big Buck's back there. If I preach that, he may not give. So I'm staying away from that. That's a hireling. I'll answer to God. So I have to put it out there. Say it like it is, with tact, with love, with care, with sensitivity, with anointing. But I, you know, I have to pastor, and I want you to know, in case you don't know, I don't play church politics. And, and you know, I care what you think in one hand, but in another way, I don't care what you think. Did that make sense? That didn't make sense, did it? You got to be anointed to understand that. <laughs> there are times when we don't have the mind of Christ on certain things. How many would say, Pastor, there are times with decision making in my life when I don't have the mind of Christ? There are things that you're not anointed to solve by yourself everybody in agreement with that so what do we need to do blunder ahead go ahead and figure it out the best you can and and make a decision or is that when we need the body of Christ is that when we need spiritual gifts and operation in the body is that when we need to be humble enough to ask somebody who has some discernment is that a time when we have to pull back and while we're doing all that we know to do for God, we're waiting on God to make it clear and not just going fast forward and making a dumb decision without the mind of Christ. I have got myself in more trouble making fast decisions. I don't know about somebody else, but I can make a decision in a heartbeat and cost me five years to, to get that one decision made right. Sometimes we just got to pull back. Let God work in the situation. Why is the anointing so important? Because all of us as ministers need to be anointed for the task God's called us to. Now, do we want people at Calvary playing the keyboard or the guitar or the drums with just natural ability? Thank God for natural ability. But would we rather have one of our guitar players or singers having natural ability and an anointing to sing and to lead us in worship. Have you noticed that there's a difference between someone who just can sing and someone who is anointed by God to minister in song? 
Do we want people who will just greet at the doors or minister to our children or love our babies? Do we want them to do it because they've they're trained how to do it and they have natural ability or would we also like them to recognize we've got people back there ministering to our children right now that believe God with all their heart this is the purpose that they are on the planet to minister to your babies to love to love them to life with Jesus Who do you want ministering to your babies? People that just know how to do it because they read a textbook? Or do you want somebody that is anointed to minister to the very heart of your children? Who do I want greet me when I visit a church? Somebody who sticks out their hand and said, I told them I'd shake somebody's hand. Here you go. <laughs> or, or do you want somebody to shake your hand when they come up? And when they walk up, when, when you walk up to them, they act like you are the best thing that's ever happened since a fresh loaf of bread that just came out of the oven. Hi, oh, how are you doing? God bless you. Good to have you. Well, that's a little over the top, but you know what I'm saying. Hey, what would happen? What would happen if every one of us began, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, what happened if every one of us began to discern our anointing and walk in our anointing? and serve, and gifts of administration, and gifts of service, and gifts of preaching and teaching the Word, and, and gifts of wisdom. Would we all be better if we were all operating in our anointing? Am I a little over the top here today? Are you okay? Let me finish. I'm about to make myself happy up here. So I'll finish with this. Anointed is one thing. Now having power. Be being filled with power. The empowerment of God to flow in our anointing. Glenn, give me that picture in that glass. I'm, I'm going to use a little illustration here. Maybe this will help. Do you guys like illustrations? All right, let's say, thank you, Glenn. Let's say, now this glass is anointed. I know this is crude. But it has PT underneath it. No, it don't really. Pastor Tim. This is my preaching glass for my parched, thir thirsty voice. And this is what I use when I need some water. It's anointed for PT's throat. Let's, 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 let's do something different with it. Let's say this is the anointing to minister to my thirst there's a problem with this though it's anointed for that service but what's the problem nothing I'm not going to get filled up with this anointed glass right what do I need in the glass to get filled be filled water now let's spiritually this represents the spirit of God Jesus told the woman at the well, when you drink from the water I give, you never thirst again. In other words, here's what that means. When I pour this water out of this pitcher into here, this pitcher is going to start running low and eventually empty out. But if this, was the, if this pitcher represents the Holy Spirit, he keeps pouring and pouring, and it never runs out. Hello, somebody.
So, before I come to you to preach today, I go spend some time at the fountainhead with the Holy Spirit. Say, God, make this word so alive in me that it just flows out of me. The Lord says, well, it's got to get in you before it can come out. And I got some good stuff for you if you'll spend some time with me. If you'll get up in the morning and pray and if you'll get into my word, I'll teach you how to live today. I'll teach you how to respond to that person at work that you'd like to slap. I'll give you wisdom. I'll give you my mind. But what happens if we don't? What, ha- yeah. what happens when we go to work like that? What happens when we live our days like this? I'm not telling you you're not anointed. There's a problem. And now we're trying to do it out of our flesh. We're trying to do it out of a tank that's low, empty. Now, do you want to function with your life with Jesus and with all your family and your friends and the people in your life? Do you want to function like this? Or do you want to function like that? That's it. All right, I got to close. Did we get it? Feel like it just dropped in you? Isn't it awesome when God does that? Okay, I'll close with this point. You all know by looking at me, I don't have a beautiful wavy head of dark brown hair anymore. I don't have a body where a Armani suit hangs on me and it's like, you guys are thinking, whoa, look at that hunk of flesh. That's enough. I got big nose, big feet, and weight issues. And I don't understand it, but God's still anointed. And blessed me to serve you and to serve other pastors now in our community and ministry leaders. And I realize that anything else I try to do outside of my anointing, most assuredly, I would bomb. But with God's anointing and spending time with him and being filled with his power, God will use me for his glory, and he wants to use you. We need to get in the habit of having moments with God to let him fill us up. You take out of here with your car today and you head out and you keep going and you keep going and going and you never stop at the gas station. That car is anointed. But if it's out of gas, you ain't going nowhere. And folks, we got churches across America. And good people, anointed people, trying to operate their life in God and their life with no power. And there's no need for it. Because 
we have a source that's better than the oil in the Middle East. And inflation is not taking it from us. It's available to whosoever will come to the Lord. Those who hunger and thirst for righteousness shall be filled. When I was a kid, growing up in my daddy's church, we used to sing a little chorus on Sunday night. Oh, Lord, send the power just now. Oh, Lord, send the power just now. Oh, Lord, send the power just now and baptize everyone. Lord, I thank you. May you endue people with your power. May you do ministry only in, may we do ministry, Lord, only in your strength, not in our ability, in your ability. May your spirit, Lord, be working supernaturally in us as we are sanctified for a purpose, empowered by the river of living water of God, because we've gone back to the fountainhead. I pray this over the people of God in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're our guest today, I hope you'll stop by Guest Central. I love you in the Lord, and I pray this has been a blessing. You're dismissed. Happy Father's Day.